Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Binge Town TV. This is Brian here with Kathleen and Paul. And today we're going to be covering the Amazon TV series, The Boys. This is going to be season three, episode four, entitled Glorious Five-Year Plan. And in this episode, we got a lot. We got Homelander executing this power dynamic coup against Stan Edgar. We get the Soldier Boy reveal and, quite frankly, a few dildos. Um, A lot to talk about. It kind of seemed to me I got kind of the vibe that this was a mid-season like setup episode, but this is the boys. So like all of these episodes are elite. So I still enjoyed it a lot. Um, And I'm curious to say, what do you guys think? I want to say huge call out by Paul, who compared him uh, to Captain America with the kind of keeping him frozen in Russia thing. Right. That was Paul. I think Brian also had something in the whatever it was. The boys here. That was it. totally me. Oh, OK. Oh. <laughs> that was I, I, was, I, I said that he was going to be the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I was calling him Captain America in like episode one or two. Yeah, like, you were. But you're the one who said like freezing him like cryogenically or something. Paul, I'm sorry. I'm pointing yeah. like, you know who I'm pointing to. Yeah. Cap, like <laughs> Cap got stuck in the ice and then got unfrozen. Yeah. Later. Oh, so this is basically, that? basically. Yeah, yeah, like, that's, I knew there was like, it was some teamwork. It was the boys. The boys did it. The but, boys brought it down. Yeah. Great call outs. Um, there's a few instances where I was like, damn, I wish I didn't already reveal that in this episode because I wanted to call that. I wanted to do like theories. We'll get to it. Um, didn't see that betrayal of Newman and Edgar. At all, like an idiot. I should have seen that coming, but I really didn't ever see Homelander finding out about Newman's powers this early, which was Mm. shocking. And we'll get into it. But I thought there was a lot of good like bombs in this episode. Uh, I didn't think it was like any sort of midseason setup, but it will change the trajectory of the season. So you're right, Brian. I guess it was good. It was good. Yeah. Speaking of betrayals, I mean, we got obviously the group of soups that are trying to take out Homelander. And then we get the a train betrayal again. So, I mean, this episode went all over the place from where it started out to where it ended. It's it kind of defined the clear path of where the end of the season is going to go. Um, so I, that being said, I mean, it could still go fucking anywhere. It's the voice, but it, it's just so good. It's so entertaining. And this, I mean, recency bias i want to say this is like you know top 10 episodes but so hard to tell i would like to see that top 10 list of episodes yeah but that would require a little bit of brainstorming and thought uh that said uh we got all of our initial takes are we ready to dive into this thing i just want to say a top 10 list of what we've seen so far is half of the series (laughs) with 10 of 20 episodes we've seen (laughs) <laughs> that is and it point. would still be hard to pick them. It would. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Hit it. All right. So the first thing we get, like a couple episodes, I feel like, is actually a shot of a TV screen, like a commercial or whatever. And it's this old clip of Soldier Boy doing a music video for this group called Solid Gold, like a cheesy 70s disco thing. But MM's just like grinding the chair, torturing himself watching this. And it's just highlighting MM's hatred for Soldier Boy, of course. Uh, But then we transition to this scene at the Flatiron building, the boys hideout, where Huey is calling out Bush for using the v24 it's great because he still has puke all over him like just pure lime green and then his broken arm he looks so helpless right now and they end up agreeing it's it's kind of weird because 
Huey just kind of understands where he's coming from. And he's like, you know what? Fuck, you make a good point. You know, you never would see from this conversation what happens at the end of the episode, that that crazy reveal. Um, but it does plant the seed for it pretty well because Huey is the only one to know about it. And Butcher says, you know, if you tell anybody, you know, fucking do something horrible. I can't remember exactly what he said. I've always seen the kind of like um, the two sides of Butcher, right? The you always like feel for him. You think his he- his like heart's in the right place, but I don't know anymore. This man, like I, he keeps doing things that are like he's lying to the people closest to him. I mean, the conversation with MM he has later kind of explains it. He kind of says to MM like, "You're so good. Like we we brought you on because you're so good, and I'm bad. You know that means I could be bad. You know." But he's pretty bad. He's like the worst of the good guys, for sure. To his credit, I will say that he never wanted to entangle Huey in this stuff. And he was emphasizing that point throughout the episode. Like he he thinks of it as punishing and torturing himself using the B-24. Like you don't want none of this, Huey. But yeah, I agree. He's definitely the worst guy of the boys. (laughs) Um, And I forgot to go over this in the intro, but unlike the past three recordings, uh, we're going to try and bucket these because there's two pretty distinct storylines going on. So we're going to cover kind of the boys as they go from America and have the conversation with little Nina and then follow their whole Russia storyline. And then we're going to circle back and hit what's going on at Fall Tower with Homelander, Starlight and the rest of the gang. Uh, So with that said, we go to the butcher Frenchie and little Nina meeting. And might I just say, I love this character of little Nina. She is like, just like they've been describing, she was Frenchie's butcher before butcher, but seeing butcher and little Nina stand off and have this like alpha dog off was really a sight to behold. Yeah. Both because they're not soups. They're just, you know, two regular people uh, that have old fashioned power like fear pretty much and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of dirty work so it, it was really cool she's a really great character and i yeah. hope i hope we get more than her more of like, her bang each other bang yes each other, for sure becca's out of the picture now it's okay <laughs> that, which that. you know speaking about becca i think she was like his basically moral compass everything he was doing was to get to becca and mm-hmm. now that she's gone it's like is Ryan enough to keep him like sane and on the right track? Um, yeah, I don't know. I would not be, I mean, I would hate it, but like if Butcher dies soon because like he doesn't have Becca anymore as like the end goal, I wouldn't be too surprised, but I would absolutely hate it. I feel like one of the points is that Becca wasn't always a hundred percent his end goal. It was the revenge on Homelander. That was also like a pretty significant goal. So I don't think Butcher's going to try and off himself until Homelander's taken care of. Yeah, that's me personally. I think that's like if he had a website, BillyButcher.com, that would be his mission statement. You know, yeah, <laughs> Homelander app. Homelander. That's number one. Um, True. Yeah, I was just going to say also at the end of the episode, we're doing the thing i can't remember kill list death pool death pool <laughs> think about it as you're as you're <laughs> right yeah, totally forgot we were doing the death pool but yes we are doing the death pool absolutely for sure. so stick around yeah stick around for that so as this conversation goes on obviously butcher is trying to get uh information about the soldier boy weapon but he has to get back into the good graces and smooth things over with the whole Sherry situation. And essentially, Frenchie's like, oh, uh, you know, Butcher, like, don't be too rough. And he's like, 
Frenchie step back. Me and Lil Nene are just getting started, right? Uh, and Frenchie clears the room, and we just have this standoff between two top tier alpha dogs, and I loved it. Um, but eventually, Butcher seemingly does smooth things over, and next thing you know, they're boarding a plane. Frenchie's a little bit skeptical. He's talking to Kimiko. I, you know, I've never seen little Nina just like freely give out these squeaky clean passports. You know, a private jet. Like she's going all out. I think Butcher probably promised her Cherie. And what were you? What What were you guys thinking? Realistically, did you think Butcher was screwing Frenchie over? I don't know. I think Butcher would do a lot of dirty things. I would hope he wouldn't screw his boy Frenchie over like that. I mean, I could see him totally taking care of it like by himself and just not telling anybody. But the fact that there he had, you know, Kimiko go on this other mission, I think they're in Lil Nina's good graces just from that. I think that Butcher may may do something where he promises little Nina Cherie and thinks like, I'll figure out how to solve that later. Like, I'll figure out how to solve Cherie later. Right now, we got to get this done type of deal where it's like, I'm going to promise this thing and then I'll figure out how to fix that as well. But that's terrible. So maybe he did. I'm not sure. And also in those situations, I'm like, when he gives her all that money and then she's like, very nice. Very great. Yeah. But <laughs> what I really need is Cherie. So fuck off kind of thing. Yeah. I'm like, do yeah. they get to keep that money or does Cherie keep that money? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. no, Cherie's or little Nina, little Nina's keeping oh, yeah. that sorry, money. Sorry, yes. Little Nina. Nina's. Yes, yes, that's what I meant. And that's why I loved her because she knew she had all the leverage and she really like she couldn't have given that much of a fuck about Sherry. Like she must have gotten all that she wanted, but she knew she could ask for more. And she's like, what about my stress? I have been up so long because <laughs> yes. of the stress. I just really like this yeah. character. She, she was quick. Her just being old school, making like handmade raviolis or whatever that was. <laughs> she said what it was. I can't remember. Uh, in the back. I mean, there's something so cool about that. Her just nonchalance. <laughs> But she doesn't make him as good as Frenchie because those ones made her come. Hell yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing. She's just yes. like, she's Hell awesome. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the conversation goes good. Butcher smooths things over. Uh, they take the plane over to Russia and then they get a bus to this like gas station looking place. And they make that their makeshift hideout where Butcher reveals, hey, you know, she said she's gotten the location of the soldier boy weapon from her connections. But we just got to take this guy out. Before she gives it to us, Frenchie, don't worry. You're not going to have to go. It's Kimiko's job. Um, and I think Butcher, like he was well within his lane to make that deal. He could have just been like, it was either this or Sherry. You know, it's a life for a life, fair trade. Frenchie, this is on you more than me. But he had to like go at Kimiko and be like, listen, you actually are my gun. I think of you as a tool, like essentially F you, Kimiko. Yeah. It's just classic Butcher being mean when he doesn't have to be mean. He went the complete opposite of what you said, what you said would be reasonable saying it was the other issue. Instead he goes, I'm sorry. Like, did I stutter? I'm the leader of the group. When I say something, you guys don't question me on it. You just do it. Like he, he just did a total, like I'm the boss move just to put everybody in their place. And Kimiko was like, dude, like I'm not your gun. I'm like, you're like, basically if you ask me to do something, maybe I would help you, but like, stop using me to kill people for your own wear. Yeah, I mean, Kimiko's been used her whole life as a weapon and she doesn't want to just kill people to kill people anymore. And she I mean, I'm excited to talk about the conversation her and Frenchie have later because it's it's great. And I'm I'm totally on Kimiko's side. I'm like, 
go to Marseille, go to Marseille with Frenchie and make babies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will get to that conversation. because I yeah. just love this lovey-dovey storyline between her and Frenchie where they, they just want to be happy together. Uh, but that scene leads us to kind of the rest of the boys clear out and that just leaves M.M. and Butcher. And M.M.'s kind of just like, hey, man, I came back. You got me out of the game. You came knocking to my door and I came back for you. And it kind of seems like we're still doing the same sort of shady stuff. Gets Butcher to a point where he gets a little sentimental and we get this flashback to how they recruited uh, MM into the group. It was, you know, him and Mallory, and they interviewed all of these well-qualified Marines. They had their pick of the litter, and they were just like, why do you think that we went with you? It was because we interviewed all of your, uh, I don't know, platoon mates, fellow soldiers, and they all said that you were the glue that keeps the group together, you know, just keep the machine going. That's what we needed. And that goes off of what Kathleen, you were saying is probably Butcher brought this guy into the group to keep it all together because he knew that he was at every turn going to have it crumbling down. Yeah, I liked when MM was like, you know, I really do respect the chain of command and that like kind of being like, but you're pissing me off. Right. Because it's it's hard for me to understand, like, as I'm watching this, why mm and frenchie just like take butcher's shit you know what i mean at watching as just like a third party being like beat him up like just beat butcher up but i but it's such a respect thing for like if you were a marine or in the army or something you respect the chain of command and butcher is the leader of the group and it was just interesting to me i'm like oh okay when he said chain of command I instantly thought he was referring to that they were working with as like contractors for the FBI. So they did have that higher power to listen to. And they were part of the chain of command. But now that you're saying that, I think you're right. That butcher is his chain of command. I just wanted to talk that out. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this totally is off the CIA's books, though, right? I mean, this operation is. And that's why I think MM, that's why it would have made sense to me that MM sat him down and was just like, hey, man, I respected that chain of command, but now we're doing this stuff. Oh, we're back into the shady, the boys classic business. That isn't what I signed up for. So it could work either way, honestly. Yeah, really. Either way, it, it's it feels like MM could be the leader of a group as well. And like MM could lead Butcher could lead. I don't know that Frenchie's really like the leading man. I think Frenchie really is the type of guy who's like, you tell me what to do, boss. I got you. He's a beta. Like, like yeah. little Nina said, you know, somebody held the leash. Like, you know, it was before Butcher was me and before me, it was your dad or something. Mm-hmm. Like that, so. I really appreciated this conversation and mm-hmm. it's it's like the perfect backstory for MM because he clearly has like a unique skill set. I wouldn't peg him as like an army guy, but apparently he had that background and they picked him M- from like what's up? You said you wouldn't peg MM. I would totally peg MM as an so, army as an army MM? guy or were would... you finishing that sentence there? You pegging uh, MM with yeah. the homelander dildo? <laughs> Which I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's the man. I would let him peg me. I don't know. I just love MM so much. Sorry. I just heard you say I wouldn't peg MM. <laughs> and then the rest of the sentence cut off. <laughs> At any rate, we love MM. That was a good scene. Good backstory for him. Uh, speaking of dildos, though, we go to the scene where Kimiko is carrying out the deed. And oh, my gosh, our girl is looking amazing in the sparkly dress. That girl is poison. Poison. Uh, she was killing it. She trips on the heel, gets it right back. Yeah. Um, 
without a doubt. And the dude like asks her a question in Russian. She can't talk. She just gives him a little smile and she's in. Beautiful. I don't know, Paul, you're I feel like this is at least adjacent to Paul's sexiest scene uh, with the breakdown of the dildos. I feel like that's more (laughs) your territory than mine. If you want to take it. Um, Honestly, her getting out of the limo was like the hottest. Uh, I I will say um, she is just stunning. She's unbelievable. And that dress was insane. If I am completely truthful to you guys, I thought the dildos were a little much. I was like, why is Kimiko fighting with the dildos? That is just like, seems a little over the top. I feel like she would just use her fists rather than a rubber dildo stabbing her through the heads. That being said, the fact that this sex man in his little sex dungeon had a superhero dildo for all the seven, I thought that was very funny and insane. And he's like, which do you want? Like, I love just the world building of this too. Like you're saying like the, the seven goes everywhere, even over to Russia. That is interesting now that you're saying it, because when I first watched it, I was like classic boys just being goofy. Like Kimiko's that strong that she could take kind of like a not sharp object and literally throw it as if it's a fucking like a knife or something like that or a a spear. You know what I mean? But Mm. now that you're saying that, that, that almost feels like it could have been a scene out of like diabolical, like yeah. goofy, cartoony, like kind of over the top, exaggerated version of the boys. I agree that that was, that was a, probably a little too, too much like they're doing it just to be goofy. Yeah. Um, but it was still funny. And I do. I love that no matter where you go, it's just like everything's fucking the seven theme, mm-hmm. like bought everywhere, yeah. touches everything, just like the MCU. It's um, I mean, not even the MCU. There's not like. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's it's crazy because they're able to tell such a story just with the graffiti on the buildings in Russia and like the graffiti in the flashbacks. They actually had one building back in the day and it was like Homelander up top and then flash forward. It's the same building, same graffiti, except Homelander's all fucked up and it's like terrorists, you know, all over Russia. It was just over characterized versions of the soups and they were usually doing like evil things so it's almost like half of russia actually saw the seven for what they were but i just love the way that the the show doesn't waste time on like aerial shots of you know just a landscape there's a point that they're doing it and they're showing the graffiti on the building and they're showing what society is like in this area and how they view the soups and it's not just killing time. Everything has a purpose in the show. Is I think that's why I like it so much. That's why these episodes tend to run so much longer because we've said it twice already on the podcast. Everything needs to be commented on because everything matters. And as an audience, that's what you want from a show. You don't want any throwaway scenes or anything. It's worth stating the names of the officially licensed seven dildos. So we have the star spangled <laughs> banger, the deep flounder pounder and uh. black noir silent screamer wow <laughs> yeah hell yeah i'd go the deep personally i think i'm silent screamer i think the flounder pounder is just the best name <laughs> of, yeah. of the bunch for sure uh <laughs> regardless kimiko puts those dildos to good use takes care of the oligarch whoever her target was and also all of his goons and then at the end she gets shot by one of the other 
ladies of the night. I don't know. Ladies in the industry, if you will. Very classy. Um, yeah. Right. Um, and then she gets up and she kind of like tries to be like, no, 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 you're safe with me, but you can't talk. So she just kind of dips. Um, yeah, I was a little sad. I felt really bad for her. Yeah. You know, she is viewed like a monster by everybody. And like they keep harping on it all throughout the season. And that takes us to the scene where Kimiko comes back to the boys hideout, like drenched in blood. And she goes right to Frenchie and she's just like, I can't do this anymore. We got to get out like this isn't me. I don't want to do it. I give up. And yeah, Kimiko's like Butcher doesn't treat any of us like we're people. We're just weapons for them to use. And she says like those girls were and Frenchie was like, they were just scared. They were just scared. And she was like, they're just being used just like me, just like me my whole life. Like uh, she compares, which is dark. Little Nina butcher and shining light all as one like similar similar i'm like oh comparing the shining light to butcher is that hurts that fucking hurts but at the same time we were just telling butcher and little nina to bang like so it makes sense that they're like almost well they deserve each other it seems yeah they're the same shining light is a stretch shining light i get her sentiment though and i am such Mm, a kimiko stan that yes go girl yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. She certainly it certainly hits in the sense that all of those groups or people controlled them. Um, yeah, uh, this was a good scene and we just wish the best for this couple, obviously. Yeah. Um, and but Frenchie says, look, I'm good to go with you, but we got to finish the job. He's a loyal guy. He's like, I'm good to ditch Butcher, but we can't ditch MM and and Huey, which is so cute. And yeah accurate right i mean that's what we want those are our boys um obviously there's going to be a season four so i think frenchie's going to have to break his promise to kimiko which is sad um unless something happens to kimiko at the end of this season or episode and i'll be devastated but they've got to save her but we'll get to it we'll get to it they have to save her that is a fact uh but that kind of takes us into the boys prepping for the operation to uh get into this laboratory and this is where we have another butcher and huey one-on-one where huey walks into him shooting up the v and i hated this for huey that he is so interested in getting this v24 like he just wants it and i really loved busher's reaction to it he's like no huey you this is not for you. I absolutely have to do this. I've been in this business for years and years and years. Like I deserve this. You want none of it. Um, yeah, I, I hated this storyline for Huey. Honestly, it was, it was really immature of him. And I think the boys being disappointed in him is the worst thing that could possibly happen to him. So (laughs) there you go. I think that, I mean, we'll get into it because the powers he actually gets are very interesting and like almost (laughs) ironic because of the reason he got into this in the first place. Um, But do you think there's any part of him that wants it because Starlight also is like his girlfriend is like soup, a soup. And he, I don't know. I like, do you think he feels a little jealous of that? And yeah, they were, they were harping on that. I feel like in the beginning few episodes, he couldn't even open a jar without you know starlight's <laughs> help jar yeah and you know he, he said it to starlight in like the fake the mini fight in front of newman but i think there was sincerity behind it when he's like well i don't always need you to come in and help save me um i mean there was some truth behind that i feel like and it was a i feel like it was a mix between 
yes, wanting to feel useful and wanting to help. And then two, wanting to get this over with. Like he is, I feel like he's so sick of being scared of Vaught and Homelander, what they're going to do. I feel like he's like, you know what? I'll do whatever I need to do just if this ends soon. And yeah, even the scene earlier in this episode that we'll get to between him, Starlight and Homelander, where he, uh, he reflects on it actually here. He's like, it felt like I was in front of every bully I ever had as a kid and I was just powerless again. So that might've been, what is it? The straw that broke the camel's back for him. And oh, yeah. now he just needed to get his fix. Now that he knows V24 is available to him. Um, yeah, I guess that, that scene that we didn't really cover because that's in the Vought storyline, but with with Huey and Starlight and Homelander, that that would have an effect of why he wanted to take yep. the V twenty four. Like and to said. be fair, going face to face with Homelander is like the worst possible thing for your self confidence and just feeling scary. useless. Yeah, Definitely. literally so scary. Mm-hmm. So I understand his motivation for it, but I'm really disappointed that he actually succumbed to it. But Huey's had a couple W's recently, so maybe he was due for an L. Though I digress, uh, that takes us to the operation and the boys, you know, they cut the light on the power grid outside of the facility. They open up the gate. uh, They sneak in. MM, in in such perfect fashion, he like nabs this guard, gets his card. You know, they get into the facility. But to knock this guard out, he says, Rocky Four, motherfucker. Boom. That is the Rocky where Rocky fights Dolph Lundgren's uh, Russian character, of course, who German. kills Apollo Creed. Or the wow. Russian. I just said German. The Russian. <laughs> yeah, the Russian, man. Uh, great movie, by the way. Probably my favorite Rocky, personally. But the, that's the probably, first that's probably when, not a good take. He also says Red Dawn, motherfucker, when like is at that- first. At first, like nice. the, he says literally too, and Red Dawn, obviously the old one when Russia invaded, not the new one when North Korea invaded the US. Yes. That was awesome. I didn't catch that because again, no subtitles. Damn. Amazon, <laughs> Screeners, if you're listening, please? yeah. <laughs> subtitles, come on. Uh okay. So they get into the facility pretty much unscathed because they had the guard helping them. Uh and Frenchie. I feel like Frenchie always does stuff like this, but he starts like tapping on the hamster's cage. And obviously this hamster is souped up, starts banging around, cracks the glass, and that sets off the alarm. Guards flood in. Um, They pretty easily have their position overtaken by these guards. Huey gives Butcher the look and Butcher soups out on him and just takes everybody out with his eye lasers. Yeah, phenomenal. I mean, uh, when you said Frenchie does this when he was tapping on the hamster cage, the gerbil cage, that's what he did with Kimiko. You know, he walks up, you saw Kimiko in a cage, and he was like, basically, was like, hey, like, you need help? Started playing with it. So, you know, good sides and bad sides to it, pros and cons. Um, The hamster was absolutely insane when it just balls out, goes through people's faces. Huey, or, or not Huey, French. He has some line about it. He just he says something in French. I don't even know personally what it was, but you just know it's fucking gold because everything <laughs> he says is phenomenal. Um, and then the the little nod, what you were talking about. You know, everybody's pinned down. Everybody's out of ammo. The classic. You know, fine, I'll do it. I'll, I'll play my trump card. He just walks out and takes everything. 
and mm's face of saying like butcher don't fucking because butcher yells like hey cunts or something something ridiculous yes exactly (laughs) and mm's like don't sacrifice yourself and his face from going to like shock and worry to what the fuck is going on as he's watching him eat these bullets was phenomenal yeah, I I loved the scene for all the nuance to it. The it was an epic scene for one with the hamsters and the chaos and the fight scenes. I love that. And then like I cannot wait to see what Frenchie and MM have to say about it. Like I really can't wait to hear what they actually have to say. We've got a little bit in the car when they're like getting Kimiko out, but I mean they're still the, dealing with the shock of it, I would yes. say, at this point. So yes. I, I'm also excited for the actual conversation. So, um, yeah. So Huey, <laughs> <laughs> Huey finishes the job because someone's coming up behind MM and he gets super speed. And you know what? I want to say, I think that this is why everyone wears their suits all the time, because it actually stays on their body. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like well, I was complaining was it that super speed or teleportation. Oh, I so, thought it was super speed. I thought like, he I was, teleported out of his clothes. Yeah, that's what I was getting oh, to. Uh, I see. Damn. I thought he got super speed and was like, he literally joined this because he fucking hates a train because he A-train. ran straight through Robin. And that's the powers he gets. That would be that's wild. why I was saying it. Damn. OK. All right. Teleportation can, makes way more sense. You buy that? You no. can link it in though because he's he's nude just like Translucent was nude when Translucent would walk up. Except mm-hmm. Translucent would actually be nude and see through. Instead, he just teleports. <laughs> the most Huey thing ever. He teleports so, and he so starts funny. apologizing. He's like, "Oh, I, I'm sorry. My arms <laughs> threw you." Like, Huey, you kind soul. Yeah. Yeah, and MM was surprised and shocked to see Butcher. But he was disappointed to see that Huey was also juiced up. We find out he stole it from Butcher's bag and without them knowing. Everybody in the boys is really disappointed in him. Kimiko, almost most of all, because she's like, why would you two do this to yourself? You know, and I'm sure she's super disappointed in Huey as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't really have too much time to react to it because pretty unprompted butcher just goes right over to this giant cryogenic chamber lifts up the door and sure enough there's our soldier boy yeah they were looking for the gun and they were like oh this big container big enough for uh perfect adult male maybe a gun's in here the weapon <laughs> and i know and they were gonna search everything no matter what uh but i was like come on if they you didn't see soldier boy we're all biased. I shouldn't say that. We obviously saw him in the previews, so we yeah. knew he was going to be a thing. Uh, but you know, you gotta you gotta think that they're keeping him as they as they take his body off. And you don't see it. So yeah. I I didn't watch the previews. Did they show us him like with his beard and stuff? Like no, looking... he just he just means like we've seen the trailers with him in gotcha. it. Like and you is that what you meant, Paul? Like yeah, the like trailers he, with him in it and the I and just, all the press and everything. Did the trailers lead us to believe that he would be in the current timeline rather than just flashbacks? Yeah, definitely. See, now, is that not fucking lame? No, I I, I uh, 100% agree. And I think the boys, that's the biggest issue with the boys is whenever they give previews or marketings, I feel like they always do like a bunch of fast cuts, but they always give away so much. And there's yeah. only and there's only, you know, eight episodes. So if you don't see it in the first oh. five, you know, you're going to get it in the end. 
I only it took me a long time to watch the trailer because I was like, before I watch the trailer, I need to rewatch season one and two. And then by the time I finished, we were recording season three, episode one already. So I was like, I only watched the trailer maybe one time. So I don't remember that. I just assumed he was going to be alive because of the episodes. Like as soon as they're like, he died, but nobody saw it. It's like, yeah, he's alive then. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So Soldier Boy just he's still alive, of course, and conscious. So he just releases himself from his binds, steps out of the chamber, doesn't say a word, just kind of like surveys the room. And then he takes a right and standing in his path is Frenchie, who immediately says, hey, it's OK, brother. Don't don't do anything crazy. But he he starts freaking out that obviously this has something to do with the weapon. And now Soldier Boy, they weaponized himself. Um, but he starts glowing red from the chest and shoots this giant energy beam at Frenchie. But Kimiko jumps in the way, saves him, um, goes flying against the back wall. She gets messed up. Soldier Boy leaves um, and Kimiko will not heal. I also think it's just like a sick joke that they make like Huey and Soldier Boy naked in the same frame. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it's also just yeah. like an, a little another nab at Huey. It's like Huey's the naked guy in the room. And all of a sudden this like hot ripped guy comes in. <laughs> hilarious. But yeah, he's she's not healing because it's like the the weapon and the like radioactiveness yeah. of the mm-hmm. weapon. Damn. So I was getting the same reason that Black Noir got when he got hit with it back yep. in the heyday. He can't heal from it. Yep. So that makes me super, super concerned about Kimiko. Um, even if she d- does get saved, even if she doesn't die, is she going to be able to be a superhero anymore? Or is she going to have this permanent wounds? That said, would that not be kind of a perfect situation for Kimiko, who has spent the first half of the season hating her powers? So just if, go to Marseille. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, guess yeah. Yeah, you're right. If she heals, of course, which is kind of questionable, which I, hate because i did not want to have to worry about kimiko making it through this season i know kimiko is a huge asset to the boys as a soup she is like someone who is fully down on their side and is strong as fuck and is bulletproof like everyone and can heal so this will be a big loss whether she goes to Marseille or she does not heal for everybody that's the she is necessary to the group so i'm very very interested She's pretty much the voice trump card. Like she's like, you know, butcher's gun. She's the one that can go get it done. Yeah. Agreed. Dr. Seuss. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so obviously Kimiko's not healing. They got to get her somewhere. They put her in the van and we have this kind of. I don't know, scene in the van where you just kind of get to observe the dynamics going on between the boys. Frenchie's freaking out, worried about Kimiko. Uh, MM is doing first aid and he gives Butcher this look like, dude, I can't do my job as the glue guy anymore because there's no group left. Huey is tripping out on his new soup powers like you're a soup. I don't even know you people anymore. You just killed a Spice Girl and Kimiko like I this is not it anymore. This is not the boys. Um, and that is unfortunately where their storyline ends this episode. So they are in bad place going into episode yeah. five. Huey just being high, bugging out, not even giving a shit about Kimiko's well-being. I was like, come on, Huey, get over whatever this fee is. Yeah, it's weird. He's high as balls for yeah. sure. God Ooh. bless Kimiko. So now that we're done with the boys storyline, why don't we circle back and 
cover everything that's been going on at Vault with Homelander, Starlight, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess we have a couple scenes before technically the boys leave America. Uh, so let's just go right into it. The first time that we see Homelander is actually on the Cameron Coleman hour. And this guy's pretty much just like a Tucker Carlson sort of, you know, news personality, whatever. Um, and Homelander is just kind of going over his last incendiary speech at the end of episode two, which Cameron Coleman loved, by the way, and thought was passionate and moving. Uh, but essentially, Homelander's just saying, yo, you know, like there are people pulling the strings and controlling stuff. Uh, they operate in the shadows. Uh, they're the ones pulling the string. They're everywhere, even Vaught. So Homelander is kind of just like testing his boundaries here. Yeah, he's also kind of inciting the public by like putting a little fear in them by saying, oh, if you don't think you're being controlled or duped by one, you are. Um, so that's like getting the people riled up. Um, and this Cameron Coleman, he has been on this whole season. So he seems to be like the main news outlet that like the majority of the U.S. gets. And that's that's like whatever is on his show is what the people get. Yeah, definitely. And after we kind of have that scene, it goes to Edgar's reaction and he immediately goes to Newman and just says, hey, he's trying to test the boundaries. And when that happens, if a child tests their boundaries, you have to discipline them. So we have to get a news conference going to say something back and put him back in his place. You can do that, right, Newman? And she's like, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like federal policy not to go after Homelander. So maybe not. Yeah, she's scared for her daughter. You know, she's he's asking her to reprimand Homelander. When has that ever been good for anybody? And I get it. I get I I feel the the fear from her and I I'm fully on board. I agree. (laughs) He's literally the scariest person on this show. So, yeah, yeah. It's like telling somebody to stand up to the most dangerous individual in the world. That's no matter how powerful Stan Anchor thinks he is, you know, it's, it's still a scary thing to do. Hence what happens later in the episode. Yeah. Uh, And Edgar kind of ends this conversation by saying Homelander might bark a little, but he won't bite, which is just hubris. (laughs) Honestly, he thinks very highly of himself and thinks he's very shielded from Homelander. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the next scene that we get is kind of the last time Huey and Starlight get to talk to each other. And Starlight is just showing him the hashtag home light video, (laughs) which is amazing that they keep just bringing that video back. Um, And Starlight's just like, hey, man, this you told me whatever it takes. This is whatever it takes. This is the only way I can stay in Homelander's good graces because he is that crazy. Do you get it now, bro? Um, so, and sh- go ahead. I was just going to say, one, Huey was surprisingly OK with Homelight. Like, I thought he was going to be losing his mind. I thought the episode was going to be opening open with him, like being so upset and crazy about it. And he's he understands why. I am so sick of people talking about Homelander in an earshot like he, Homelander literally enters the scene is like, I forget the exact framing, but he's basically like, what are you worried about? Or what's that? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? He hears the last thing they say. I'm like, can you guys like figure it out? Figure yeah. it out. I was going to say it honestly bothers me how that's not more in the plot. You know, if Homelander's even in the building, why would you want to talk about him when she did it with supersonic? She puts the song on, you know, that at least gives some cover. But yeah. I, I totally agree, Kathleen. Like, 
I feel like Homelander's super hearing is not coming into play of the, the conversations that are happening in the building. I will say it. I got the impression we were at Starlight's apartment in this scene because they were just like, how did you get in here? Why do you have a key? And he was just like, oh, I'm just checking up on my boo. So like maybe they just weren't expecting him to be in Starlight's apartment because she is pretty good about it in Vought Tower whenever she's talking to Supersonic about some stuff. I believe that was Vought Tower. I think she has her room is in Vought Tower, like the deep. I'm in. You know, like the deep has his aquarium. <laughs> oh, I know his room. Didn't take much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I'm down for that. Um, yeah. So Homelander comes in and we already kind of talked about this scene. He gets in Huey, poor Huey's face and it's just like, this is going to be happening this way. You don't mind, right? Oh, Starlight, you look so cute when you sleep. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. This dude <laughs> is so just like, yeah, he's crazy. He starts freaking out. Uh on Huey saying, you know, oh, like, don't worry, it's just for show. You know, that's how me and Maeve started out yeah. at first. But like, oh, man, mm. she could, her, her Kegel could break a steel pipe or something ridiculous. Like he said that. And then it was like, how about her? Like, is, is she a good fuck? Like, obviously referring to Starlight in front of Huey. And Huey, first of all, Starlight's eyes freak out. So she's about to ball out. And I was like, yes, just do it. Just get it over. Um, and then Huey, so fucking manly, just takes one little step forward and looks down at Homelander like I'm not I'm not scared I mean I am scared of you but I'm not I'm not gonna back down from you I'm not gonna I was show like, it yeah hell yeah Huey that was a, that was a ballsy move that I love yeah. good stand your ground moment uh but Starlight does have to come in and de-escalate the situation by saying hey if you do anything to him I'm gonna take me and my points away from you we're not gonna be a couple anymore your public perception is going to dip. Uh, so she that's kind of her last leverage left. And I don't think that's going to take her very far, but it at least gets Huey out of this situation. Also, Homelander just giantly signs his cast. Love Homelander. Just so yeah. perfect. Yeah. Amazing. So that will take us to this A-Train storyline. And he goes to the Ashleys and it's just like, hey, I want to talk about Blue Hawk. He is over policing black neighborhoods. It's an issue. Ashley is very dismissive, but she was just like, oh, your rebrand. So great. Uh, BLM is my favorite hashtag. My entire Insta is just black screen. (laughs) I was like, shut up, Ashley. Ashley is the best, uh, but she's dismissive and it's just like, we'll talk about Blue Hawk later, later. And they're on set for this commercial, which is literally just the Kylie Jenner Pepsi commercial, but with a train and the turbo rush. And it's this show is so perfect with their pop culture. Yes, I'm so glad that you knew it's Kendall, by the way. But Kendall, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kendall, but it is. that was like the word. I cannot believe that that Pepsi commercial with Kendall Jenner made it through that many like heads of marketing and I did like even off the drawing board. That's insane. And I'm when I saw that, my mouth hit the floor. I was like, perfection. This is perfectly mm-hmm. placed culture reference. Like you said, Brian, it was everything like, oh, my God. So funny. If you haven't seen the Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial, it's basically like riots like around the, the BLM movement. There's riots and any sort of like protesting in this commercial. And there's like a line of protesters like trying to get starting to get violent, a line of police and Kendall Jenner, the most privileged human in the entire world gets to the crowd 
and offers them the cup of Pepsi and the whole thing is is solved. The whole yeah. problem is solved. A train turbo boost, man, that'll solve racism for you. Insane. Literally insane. Fuck. The, this was perfect and it was such like in they had it an extra three minutes in the episode to do whatever they wanted and they just put this in and it 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 hits so perfectly for me but that's mm-hmm. what the boys does yep. uh moving on from that we check in on queen mave or rather starlight checks in on queen mave and she's surprised at what she sees she's like uh i heard you were like a drunk and she's like yeah i bet you also heard i was like tits deep and dick every night like people hear what i want them to hear i've been sober for the past six months where do you think Butcher and the boys found out, got tipped off for this weapon? Like, yada, yada, yada. She's been training. I love this from Maeve personally. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just like, hey, I, I will put in the months of work and grind. If I can buy Butcher two seconds to finish off Homelander, it's worth it. Yeah, really, really, really cool dedication from Maeve. I know, Kathleen, you're asking for her more in the beginning of this season. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, she is a huge part of the plot to take down Homelander. She is like the, the cog that makes everything happen um, in this machine. And to, to watch her just train because she knows like self-discipline that I'm going to have to be on my best is phenomenal. And I don't know what it is with Hollywood, but past like 10 years, they've been obsessed with the like get on your knee, turn around, swivel, slice. When, and they have shown that in every like training montage in the past, like 20 action movies I've seen. But, you know, that aside, still really cool to see Maeve getting back at it. Yeah, that's really all there is for that scene. And then we get a nice baby, 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 got your license to drive. <laughs> um, and fucking I murdered one, that. This, this song is a bop. Uh, but of course, when we hear this song on blast, that means that Starlight is spilling a little tea to Supersonic. And sure enough, she's like, hey, man, we're getting closer. If it comes down to it, us against Homelander, are you on our side? And I, I think this was perfect because it was the writing team addressing that us as an audience were just like, is this guy trying to play the I love Starlight angle? And he's like, I've always loved you. That's why I will help you. He's like, nah, I'm just messing with you. I'm helping you because it's the right thing to do. So unfortunately, to his death, he did end as a good guy officially. Yeah, yeah I was not sure when this scene hit. I was like, oh, my God. When she says like Maeve's in on it, I was like, don't out my girl. What no. the fuck? Like this and like I said last episode and we said, is he going to like narc and go to Homelander whatever? This was the scene where I was like, he knows everything now. Maeve's dead. Like if, if he goes to Homelander, everyone's dead. And now it's just him because he's an idiot and told a train, which we'll get to it. But as soon as he told a train, I was like, no, yeah. fuck. Uh, he, he like literally wrote his death, whatever warrant, whatever they call that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like this was it was honestly a really good job from the writers from the beginning. I don't know if they were trying to do it or not say what exactly what you said a few times, whether he was good or bad. This yeah. was a really cool resolution scene to it. And, you know, it wasn't just about getting back with Starlight. You know, he cared about seems seems like he was actually remorseful for being a dick in his past. So really cool for him. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. But exactly what you said, Kathleen, you know, why a train? Why'd you have to say a train of all people? Yeah, this tough episode for supersonic, uh, but he does agree 
uh, to be on their side in the final fight against Homelander to Starlight. And that brings us to the next scene, which is something that I said I wanted to see in this episode. And that is an official meeting of the new look seven, where six of the seven are the same as the old look seven. Uh, (laughs) And it was so perfect. It was just the deep kissing butt with the assist from Cassandra, who is such a strong, like, tertiary character this season i love how crazy she is uh and how much deep simps for her but uh, (laughs) this was a great scene cassandra is such a good character man every time that the deep sucks off the homelander a little bit and she just like yeah baby like come on you got this keep doing that i almost think she's gonna like she's just using the deep as a stepping stone to like eventually further her plot later so i think she's gonna be a really interesting character going forward she could die next episode. I don't I don't even know. <laughs> Taco bowls. Noir drawing the squirrel like uh, uh, chaos. Yeah. The detail. It's all in the details. I'm like this fucking group Be, like Homelander looking at the deep being like, that's right. Deep. But being so skeptical, <laughs> being like, yeah, I'm, right. <laughs> I agree with you. That's so weird. Yeah. And he and was right deep. to be skeptical because it wasn't the deep. It was Cassandra the whole time. Yeah. Yep. The deep just being like, I think this fucking taco bowl is delicious. Like the whole time. Just, just, no. just doing everything. He thinks it. it's muy delicioso. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And at uh, that Homelander's just like, okay, this meeting's over. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect. Um, so after that, uh, the thing that Cassandra tells Deep to say is to go against A-Train bringing up the Blue Hawk situation. He's just like, hey, Blue Hawk is part of your base audience. Like, and don't we want more soups, not getting soups off the street? And Homelander is like, uh, surprisingly poignant. <laughs> uh, good job. So, uh, but then he clears the room and it's a one-on-one with Homelander and Ashley where Ashley says, hey, uh, Newman is having a press conference later today. The significance is it's about you. And Homelander's just like, well, is your idiot brain getting fucked with stupid? (laughs) It's not rhetorical. (laughs) What do you say to that? That's great, great, honestly, great line. And Ashley puts that in the bank to use a little bit later in the episode. (laughs) Yes, she does. That's the only thing you could do, really. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in your pop. Recognize and put it, file it for later. Yeah, it's Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother and the the chain of screaming, you know? Somebody, Homelander, yells at Ashley. Ashley goes, somebody below her and yells at him. (laughs) But didn't they find out it was a circle of screaming? Pyramid. Because of the kid, a pyramid, a pyramid. True. true, true, true. <laughs> too true. Um, and that takes us to the A train and the deep confrontation, where they kind of both flex that they have like the dirt of all dirt on each other, yeah. And they get in each other's ears and are just like, "I have this on you, I have this on you," and then they just scrap. Um, uh, A train gets a nice gill punch in. Uh, the deep a gill punch. Yeah, um, that's so funny. I uh, love. Go ahead. I just loved how these guys, these are superhero. They're, you know, peak of the soups. They're in the seven and they each take one hit each and they're fucking done. Like they're yeah. on the, they're on the ground. They can't get up like they had. They, they don't actually do anything. They're just in front of the cameras the whole time. And that's the best part. We get like two pretty good pieces of information here. I mean, Deep knows that A Train gave the Nazi stuff to our boys, right? And then A Train knows, or A Train drops that Deep got the flight video for A Train, yeah. which is 
we didn't know that at least. I mean, we obviously knew the first part, but we didn't know the latter, right? We didn't know that Deep got that. I think we knew we... Deep did. So because Maeve had dirt. Maeve goes to Deep when he initially goes to the church and it's just like, hey, if you ever want to get back in the seven, you're going to need a girl on the team to say that you're not a piece of shit. And while oh. I know that you are a piece of shit, you're going to do right. this for me and I'll vouch for you. Did, so did the, they specifically say it or was I supposed to read between the lines? They it was it. last season. So last season, he even yeah. says, like, you know, I got my boys like these, this the group, of, these group of flounders, dude, crazy motherfuckers. Right. And like he goes <laughs> on to explain. But uh, yeah, so okay. he, he ends up getting his fish dues to go grab it for him. Got it. OK, I must have missed that in my rewatch and the first time I watched it and the third. <laughs> <laughs> and the third oh, time. good. <laughs> but yeah, and then Homeland goes comes to in, show yeah. how much rewatch value this show has. You're still missing stuff on the oh, third yeah. watch, though. Right. But I loved this fight. Like you said, Paul, it felt like a high school fight. It felt like two kids in a hallway getting mad at each other and beating each other up. And then Homelander is just like, get up, boys. He get treats it up, exactly boys. like that. A high school fight. Um, yep. And obviously he is the deep is in his favor right now. So he puts a shoulder around deep and says, "Atrain, train, you just go rest your useless legs. <laughs> that one hits home. And a train is like about to run over to him and confront him again. But supersonic holds him back, takes him to the elevator. And it's just like, hey, I understand, but you can't like do anything now. What if there was a way to fight back? Dot, dot, dot. And Supersonic's just an idiot. Two things wrong with that. One, we just talked about. Homelander's right there. He just walked away. He is like on the same floor as you. Why would you even whisper about him? Um, and two, why would you tell A-Train? A-Train, I know he looks in this moment like he would do anything to kill Homelander. But in the end of the day, A-Train is just looking out for himself. He wants to get back to the top. He's well into to fake his brand, his, his rebrand into thinking that he's always been, you know, about his heritage, even though he's never once cared about it because he's been up top. So he is a snake who just wants to get back up top. Yeah. Supersonic does not know what motivates these people yet. And what motivates a train is getting yeah. back in good graces with Homelander, which will get him in good graces in the seven. I oh, my God. So frustrating. I honestly, the more I think about this, the more I blame Starlight for looping him in so deep so quickly before yeah. he like got his feet wet at all. Or at least I, was like, don't tell A-Train. She should have <laughs> just left him completely in the dark until like a week before they were starting to make moves at making yeah. this happen and then been like, do we have you? Like just leaving him as a loose end for however long it's going to be was not smart, but you know, she's going to beat herself up plenty for his death. Great. Anyway, that'll bring us to the Newman bombshell press conference and starting off. Edgar gives her a good luck. Like you're going to do great, whatever. Don't worry about Homelander. And she drops the bombshell. I was totally expecting this to be about the Homelander, but instead she says Homelander was uh, has bravely come forward as a whistleblower for crimes committed within Vought by CEO Stan Edgar. The FBI will be doing an ongoing investigation into the matter. I I did not see this one coming. Yeah, the girls and at Vought, with, I think Supersonic was there too, watching the press mm -hmm. conference and then being like, it's about you and him. Homelander was like, oh, that. And then it's just like, 
cops. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's so funny. It's so Tony Starr again, like even faked me out in that scene. Like I was like, yes, absolutely. Go mm-hmm. off. Um, yeah. Epic, epic. I'm so happy about this move um, because Stan Edgar is a boss and he's going to get himself out of it. And I can't wait to watch him get himself out of it and fuck over whoever in the process. You know what I mean? I, I think I don't want to spoil anything, but I think Newman is on my death pool. <laughs> I totally agree that I think this was one of the biggest twists of the season. Did not see this coming at all. Stan is the guy in power. He's the one tossing around Homelander. So to double cross him, super bold move, especially, you know, his quote unquote daughter, you know, he acts like Newman's daughter. So did not see this coming at all. And you could see in Stan Edgar's face, he was not happy about it. And he knows that there's going to be some bad repercussions from this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Kathleen, you kind of mentioned the scene where Homelander is just being cocky, strutting his stuff like, yeah, I got away with it again. Uh, it's the dawn of a new day, the dawn of the seven again. He's just like chipper as can be. And then we have Newman confront Edgar saying as he's getting taken away by the FBI, she said all along, you weren't protecting me. I was protecting you, which it's exactly what he was doing. She was his shield and he did not sell it to her like that because why would he a uh, very self-serving person stan edgar but i i can't really blame newman for making this move unfortunately and we'll talk about how edgar feels about it in the edgar yeah. and homelander conversation scene uh now we get this qu- <laughs> quick scene with ashley and the writer where she recycles that amazing is your idiot brain getting fucked by stupid line and this guy's idiot brain was indeed getting fucked by stupid uh and to punish him she whips out the star spangled banger yeah this was a uh, cameron coleman right this was like the the host of the show I didn't even realize that and, is and that what it was and she was saying you know you're not gonna approve anything without me approving it first you're not gonna ask any questions without okay. me double checking it triple checking it and he's like thinking about it and he's like do i want my brains to get fucked by stupid and uh ashley will definitely do that to him ashley will definitely fuck his brain stupid because we've already seen she's she is over the top just wild from you know probably two minutes three minutes into you know season three episode one yeah it's so funny that she's using the homelander one too because for so many reasons, we don't yeah. have to name them. Yeah. There's just like it's like <laughs> inherently weird, but she's using that. And like, yeah, she's so scared of Homelander and yet is using his dildo. She's like regaining some of that power by using it, I think, because she he just like fucking emasculates or whatever that word is her all like constantly. So, yeah, literally shoving this Homelander into an asshole. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Pegging is the theme of this episode for sure. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it for really sure. is, honestly. Pegtown uh, Peg TV. Yeah, just I'd watch. Pegtown TV. I I'd would I, I don't know if I would watch. <laughs> Maybe. I'd watch with you, Paul. <laughs> I'd narrate. I'd broadcast. <laughs> Good lord. Paul on the play-by-play. Uh, no, yeah, just more character development for Ashley, I guess. And that takes us to the next scene of Homelander going to visit Newman in the wake of the press conference at Newman's house. 
Uh, Homelander gives us a file that he found allegedly on Edgar's desk. And he's like, hey, if it's any consolation, he was prepared to do the exact same thing to you and reveal that you were the head popper, et cetera, et cetera. So don't feel too bad about it. Like we're not people to people like Stan Edgar were just weapons for them to use and abuse. So like, don't beat yourself up about it. But he also cashes in on seemingly his end of this deal um and we don't actually see it but the later scene suggests that this was a vial of compound v for her to give to her daughter um when i first saw this scene i thought is that the recipe for compound v is that like homelander semen that she wanted to get (laughs) because well because that would be valuable too if we know it makes ryan offspring you know yeah he also said you know all the herbs and spices yeah in that line so that really you know, helps Little with those theories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I exactly. I thought it was a recipe for V. I didn't think it yeah. was an actual vial of V. But I do think that does get all but confirmed in the later scene, which we can hit right now. Newman just gives her, I don't know, like 13, 14 year old daughter a V shot. Um, and from Diabolical, we know how adolescents handle the V, and it's not always pretty. Yeah could go in she could turn to anything she could have any power it's insane maybe maybe if you're older they can kind of control it but like if you're a baby it could grow into whatever one but since you're already grown maybe it's just turns out to be like kind of like a homelander bulletproof type deal um crazy it was tough to watch it was tough to watch i was like wow the sound effects of like what looked like her spine just like crunching and contorting and she's crying um and of course newman's like she's gonna be a little prick it's like you liar i do we see this blowing up in her face and she's gonna get like horribly like bad powers or this is going to like negatively affect this daughter like i don't think she's Mm -hmm. gonna just be a flashy superhuman I don't know. It seems like the theme of this season is that these powers are a curse, not like not a, a gift. That's what Kimiko is yeah. saying. That's what Ryan was saying. That's what MM and Frenchie are going to say to Butcher and Huey, the ones that are using this power. Um, they're saying, why you, you know, we're trying to end this and you're taking it. So I was kind of, you know, going on the lines that the, the power wasn't a good thing. And, you know, now the daughter might say, why would you do this to me? You know, a, yeah. f- a few weeks later, she might be like, why would you do this to me? This is the meanest thing you've ever done. A bold move from Newman. And also uh, she said like, for the, for the stakes that she put into play, essentially just throwing away her relationship with Edgar and siding with Homelander. This is like, it's a really high stakes move for her. She did it to honestly protect her though, is what she told her daughter. So she can, yeah. you know, protect herself from Homelander or other yeah. ships. But are we good with that scene? Because there's a really good scene between Homelander and Edgar. And this is kind of like, I feel like this is three seasons in the making where Edgar can finally just sound off on Homelander and put him officially in his place because he has nothing left to lose. And Homelander just struts in after his seemingly a victory for him. And he says, wow, look at you, Edgar. Your world is collapsing around you and you still have 80 over 60 blood pressure like cool as a cucumber how do you do it dude love it and it's so stan edgar dude the smoothest mf -er around honestly um and he immediately commends vicky and it's just like hey i always taught her to play all the sides it seems like 
she is more like me than I ever thought she was. I, yeah. I admired that of her. Um, but he is curious. What did you give her Homelander in exchange? Uh, and he makes the mistake of saying, all I gave her was a little respect, which is something you never gave to me. And boy, he just goes right in. He's just like, well, why would I do that if it would just go to this bottomless pit of insecurity that you call a soul? Um, you know, the conversation progresses a little bit. He's just like, if you really don't care about me and you used to be intimidated, but now you think of me as nothing, why are you still here begging for my uh, for my approval? Like I'm your daddy or something like that. Um, yeah. He's just trying to drag a reaction out of Stan and Stan's like, I'm not going to fucking give it to you. No, nothing. He calls him bad product. Woo, uh, shit. Yeah. That, was that was the line. That was the mic drop. He's like, you're nothing but bad product to me. Like, whoop. Mm-hmm. Insane. And he I'm says, a Stan, Stan, baby. <laughs> we all stand, Stan. I named my cat Stan subconsciously because of Stan. <laughs> I named uh, my cat Huey because of Huey. <laughs> there you go. go. And the other one, Peaches, kind of because of Peaches and Plums, motherfucker. I like to think so. A little bit, maybe. yeah. Anyway, Edgar says, you know, Homelander, you're going to regret getting rid of me because, you know, there's nobody above you. You get to make all the rules, whatever. Uh, But now there's nobody to cover for you. And eventually the world is going to see you for the giant disappointment that you are. And that one kind of hit home. And if that didn't, certainly the bad product line that Kathleen said did. Um, Edgar won this conversation like he wins every conversation. Yep. Mm. Definitely. Anything else to say other than we love Stan Edgar? Nope, just, we love him. We Stan. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen at the end of the, the, the series. Yeah, I don't know what his uh what his storyline holds for us now. Like, does he turn to the boys and try and take down Homelander? I would love to see that. That would be whoo, that would be nuts. an asset for the boys. Um, but why don't we just wrap this thing up? Uh final scene is Homelander and Starlight on the red carpet. Uh, and he's like, hey. Why don't we skip the car? I'm going to fly us home. I, I have a view that's going to blow your mind. Great foreshadowing. Takes him to the rooftop and just says, look at this view. And it's supersonic with his head blown up or just lasered through his eyes. Um, and he essentially says, if you're anything except for a dutiful girlfriend to me, that's going to be Huey. And he makes her yeah. say. Yeah. And tells her find your way home it's like that would suck <laughs> that sucks so much yeah. you're stuck on yeah. like your childhood love and one of your really good friends is dead next to you and you have to figure out how to get off this tall building <laughs> absolutely in- insane insane yeah. i, I yeah, there's just nothing even to say about it homelander's gone off the deep end he knows he can do whatever he wants now with zero repercussion he was already a loose cannon before now he's just like buck wild yeah I mean, R.I.P. He didn't know the game and he played it wrong. Yeah. Brian, you said it, man. I didn't even realize that. But Starlight brought him in way too soon. Uh, Yeah. I mean, she she could have just had him on their side and left him completely in the dark. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. That was a misplay by her. And now we have another vacant seat in the seven. And Lord knows who that's going to. Honestly, I don't have much else to say. How about you guys? Or should we just get to this death pool? Let's Hell get yeah. to the death pool. Okay. How do you guys um, want to do it? Three people. Like, can we all pick the same? Or is yeah, it we like can a pick draft? the same. Okay. Right. Uh, I'm going to make you start because you're the one that remembered we were doing this. Death pool. I've got 
two pretty big ones and a third that's like inconsequential. So I think Newman's one, I think, because I don't see her storyline going past the season. Honestly, I think a train. They don't know what they're doing with him, really. I, I think him and Deep are pretty in, much in the same boat where there's B or C plots always they're barely ever. And I would say Maeve is too. Maeve at least is within like the ranks of our boys to like helping them like a train and deep really. So it could be either one. Um, and then I'm going to say the talk show host just as like a fun one. I think he's just hell. Like, yeah, mm. that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. I love that because Homelander might freak out one time and laser him live. Um, <laughs> That'd be sick. I, I am going to do the same thing. I'm going to get two actual ones and then I'm going to get a crazy one. So I'm going to do Stan Edgar. What you said about Newman. I think he could be done. I think Newman is protege. She could just take over. Okay. So I'm going to say Stan Edgar is going to die. I'm going to say little Nina. I hope she doesn't die because I love her. But, you know, if something happens, they need to cut off all loose ends that happen. Little Nina tries to turn on them. She doesn't follow through through a word. I think there could be a bunch of things that could happen. Frenchie might just say, fuck you. Sheree might come in. Little Nina, dangerous, dangerous spot. And then my second or my last one. So I had Stan Edgar, Little Nina, my third one. Roger, the camera guy. I'm pretty sure his name is Roger. <laughs> but we, we heard him at least two or three times now this season. Homelander said, Roger, don't you fucking dare go to commercial. I think he's in a tough spot. I think a he might real die. heavy hitter there. Roger, the camera guy. Paul Hell says yeah. he's not making it through season three. I don't think so. All right. I think I have three pretty big ones. Um, I think Newman. Because Kathleen, like you said, I think this is just the Newman season. And I think her story is going to play out in full in this season because she's getting highlighted so much. Uh, Number two is going to be Stan Edgar. I've been saying this since episode one, just the way he's been talking. I think it's more cocky, conceited and full of hubris than ever before. And I think Homelander is closer than ever to his tipping point. So I just think he's on the way out. And number three is going to be Queen Maeve. And I was wrestling between her and A-Train, but I think she is she's more than anyone prepared to die on this hill and do whatever she can to give an opening, to give something. Plus, she doesn't have that much left to live for, honestly. She's been depressed since we've known her in this series. I think, I hope not, but I think. Yeah, um, that's a good one. I like that one. I hope she... A, a little caveat to that. What if she stays alive, but she's able to like get away with Elena for real in hiding? Like, don't oh. bury your gaze. Maybe let's like uh, <laughs> God, keep I them alive so. and let them be happy <laughs> somewhere else. Honestly, <laughs> if Maeve dies and she takes out the Inclusion Kingdom in Vaughtland, that would be <laughs> just perfect. Wow, mm. that'd be amazing. Poetic um, justice there. Anything else, Brian, with your sorry, I cut you off on your Maeve. I I like that, too, because I think you're right. I think she would die for the cause. Yeah, no, no, nothing more on Maeve. I think I got my point across. That's that was a good death pool. Nice and quick. So I do have one more thing to add, um, which I was thinking through while you guys were talking was what if Noir has like some sort of standoff with Soldier Boy or something like what if he dies? Like what if Black Noir has some sort of face off with like an doll you know what i mean i don't know like something could play there like maybe no that like, he was in payback with them something with that like maybe maybe he has like he gets his like i don't know conscious back where like <laughs> now he's just like a savage but what if he like seeing soldier boy makes him be like what the fuck oh, am I doing? okay yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. then he like turns good but then dies anyway or something like that maybe could be it 
one, one last little one I'm going to throw in Crimson yeah. Countess. Oh, She's dead. Oh, good so one. Dead. Yeah, good, good one. one. Love that. <laughs> um, all right. That was that was a good episode to talk out. Honestly, yeah. as always, if you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram and visit <laughs> us at BingetownTV.com. Uh, there you can pretty much just find all of our links to our previous episodes, all of our socials, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're going to be covering the boys for the rest of the season. Obviously, was this a halfway point Four more after this halfway halfway point Four more after this? I think we're coming in for a nice landing here. I'm really excited to see the conclusion of this season. Uh, Once again, (laughs) we are Bingetown TV. And thanks for listening. Love y'all. Love y'all. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.